You're listening to the Elevate Your Brand podcast, where we talk to some of the smartest entrepreneurs and fastest growing brands on the market today. I'm your host, Laurel Mintz, a reformed corporate M&A attorney who founded award-winning LA-based marketing agency, Elevate My Brand. We've elevated some of the world's biggest brands from Facebook, Paw Patrol, and Verizon to innovative startups you haven't even heard of yet. Are you ready to elevate your brand? Keep listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Elevate Your Brand. I, of course, am your host, Laurel Mintz, and I am joined today by Doug Bouton, who is the co-founder of Halo Top and Gatsby Chocolate. Doug, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I mean, Halo Top has become such a prolific brand. Can you take us back to early days and share with us the nascent, like the beginning of that amazing creation of yours? Because I'm such a big fan. Yeah, sure. It's a, you know, it's truly storybook, almost kind of like a Hollywood story here. But I, <laughs> I, I promise it was um, the, the founder of Halo Top uh, and my former business partner's name's uh, Justin um, uh, Wolverton. And he essentially started it uh, in his home kitchen. Um, wow. you know, just making it for himself, uh, just looking for kind of one of those, you know, he loved ice cream, but wanted something that obviously wasn't uh, full of calories and sugar. It, it started there. And then, you know, I joined uh, really early on with him to essentially try to, you know, grow it into uh, something sizable and big. And we, you know, did everything from Googling how to make ice cream. We were both lawyers, so we had no <laughs> background in food or beverage or CPG. So um, we have a lot of those stories where, you know, it, it's, it's crazy to think kind of just how uh, precarious it was at time. Well, really for a long time uh, before we were really fortunate to, uh, to, to make it. That's so funny. Well, first of all, I'm a reform lawyer myself, so I totally understand that. Um, you know, most lawyers hate being lawyers and they've got to find some other path forward. Um, so that makes total sense to me. And the other thing that I think was so smart about your brand is that everyone eats the full carton. Like, let's be totally friggin' honest here. You very rarely like take the actual serving out of a carton of ice cream and feel like you're satisfied. So I love that you can feel like less guilt eating your ice cream. And you really played into that from a branding perspective. Can you talk about kind of the marketing and the unique look and feel? Because the packaging from the packaging to the messaging, everything is so fun and unique and dynamic. Yeah, from food and beverage in particular, I'm a strong believer that you either cannot change or it's going to be extremely costly to try to change consumer behavior. So I think mm -hmm. if you can create a product uh, that fits within the consumer behavior that already exists, uh, sky's the limit. And you, you kind of nailed it. We, I and Justin, like you and really everyone else in this world, <laughs> eats too much ice cream. You never eat mm -hmm. one spoonful and put it away. So it was like, can we create a product where you can consume it as everybody is consuming it, but then you wouldn't feel as bad about yourself after. So um, as I talk to other uh, founders and entrepreneurs in this space, that, that's always for any of them that are, you know, trying to do something revolutionary and change consumer behavior. I, I usually flag that and I say, look, this not saying it's impossible, but it, it is really, really hard to do. I think tech companies can can gear more towards that, you know, changing a behavior in a way mm -hmm. that, that food and beverage uh, just can't. That's so interesting. I, I think that's an important tip to kind of call out again is, you know, everyone thinks that they've got the new next best. And your point is, 
if you're trying to change what already is so ingrained in our behavior on a day-to-day basis, especially as it relates to something as specific as how we consume and what we consume, then you're probably missing the boat. Um, it's so interesting that you decided to focus in on that. Most brands think that they want to change something. And I love that you're calling that out and saying, you know what, if you could just lean into what people already do and service it to them in a more efficient way, either by, you know, actual more efficient time-wise, cost-wise, or in your case, calorie-wise, then you're really going to hit something that's going to be um, a cult favorite. And that's exactly what you've done. Yep. That, that I couldn't agree more. I think that's so important. I mean, I was obsessed with your, the oatmeal uh, cookie flavor. I used to go hunting from Ralph's to Ralph's to find it. And I was, would be so upset when I couldn't find it in the freezer section because it would sell out like everywhere. It was just, it was, it felt like grandma's oatmeal cookies. And I love that flavor. It's one of my all-time favorites. I remember making that. And when we found kind of the rolled oat inclusion, which was like mm. literally just like dry oh oats that yeah. went in there, it was so, so and it, you know, made it like chewy. And to your point, yeah, it kind of, it really had that oatmeal cookie, like homemade feel to it. I, I, I love that flavor. Yeah. It's that textural element, that, um, that like factor that just, uh, it, it, you know, ice cream in and of itself is so reminiscent of your childhood. And then to build in the flavor profiles that you've done so well is just remarkable. Um, so we didn't talk about the packaging itself yet, though. I want to talk about like the, the funny messaging, the tongue in cheek. Where did that come from? Was that you, your partner, um, mix of both? Yeah, I think um, we, so the packaging that you see today is not the packaging we started with. Right. So when, when we started in 2013, we had packaging that um, I'd probably describe it just more as like, you know, nostalgia, it really played into nostalgia as, as and not health or, or mm. you know, healthy ice cream. So it really looked like homemade ice cream, craft ice cream, ice cream you would make at grandma's picnic. Um, but it didn't communicate the health message that w- was so paramount to to the product and, and ultimately our brand. So we rebranded in 2015 to kind of the um, the look and the feel uh, that you see today with, with the calories right on front. And kind of as part of that process, we engaged um, with a designer, but also, you know, really took a crack at saying, you know, what, voice for us was always meant to be fun. You know, it, it, you know, mm-hmm. have fun with it. You know, don't we didn't want to be stuffy. We didn't want to be corporate. We didn't want to have kind of cookie cutter, copy and paste answers to everything. It was like, you know what? We're going to be a digital brand. We, we really kind of grew up uh, with Instagram, which I think had just sold to Facebook at the end of 2012. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really wanted to lean into that in, in a way that brands are probably trying to do with TikTok today. Um, just to say, you know, let's, you know, let's be different. Let, let's not be stuffy. Let's not be stiff. Like let's actually be loose, have fun with it and, and just engage with kind of uh, consumers and people online um, like you would anybody else. Yeah. It's so fun. I mean, it just, ice cream again, just makes you smile in general. And then the packaging, I, I remember when it first came out and I was like, there's no freaking way this is going to be tasty. And then I ate, <laughs> ate some and I was like, Oh my God, this is unbelievable. And I remember when you guys did the rebrand, I thought it was so smart because you could see it. It just, it popped on the shelves in the freezer section so much better. The labeling was cleaner. The color theory was brighter. It was just much more enticing. So I've been there since the beginning. So first of all, thank you for saving my (laughs) 
a couple well, of nipples me, in my ass, I'm sure. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me apologize then for some of that early product you must have had and for sticking with us because we also reformulated uh, many you times. Did, and, yeah. And it, it, took us, it took us a while to get to uh, what, you know, a formula we were ultimately proud of. But the flavor profiles were always good. It was like, it, it was a textural thing in the beginning, but I was like committed because I needed to find a solution because I'm a huge ice cream fan. And so when I heard that you could eat an entire container and how much is it in one um, pint? It's anywhere from usually 280 to 360 calories total for the That's whole pint. Unfriggin' believable. And um, you're actually doing it again with a new chocolate model, which is also unreal. And I say this only when I invite um, really great food and beverage products on the podcast, but my husband is the pickiest human on the planet. I'm actually not a huge chocolate fan, but he is a chocolate connoisseur. But let's be honest, he likes garbage chocolate for the most part. And he tried your chocolate and now so usually I give away a lot of the products that we get here because you know, you're so kind and you send so much. He's like, you're not giving any of this away. We're going to put in the freezer and we're going to take it out one bar at a time because he fell in love with it. And what's amazing about this chocolate specifically, again, from the calorie count, but the texture, you guys nailed it, it like melts in your mouth. It has all of those qualities that a really decadent bar of chocolate has. Um, and you're using a really unique ingredient in that one. So tell us, let's shift focus from ice cream and let's talk about chocolate. So tell us about this brand. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and thanks uh, to your husband for, for that. It, it, it means a lot. <laughs> we certainly, we spent a lot of time on formulation here because um, it, it's called Gatsby chocolate and it truly is uh, the first ever low calorie chocolate. There are some low sugar chocolates out there, but, but nobody's really made a low calorie play. So it, it's essentially less than half the calories of more or less anything out there on the market. And that includes the low sugar uh, chocolates you can find. Which taste like way- garbage. Let's be honest. They are not good. <laughs> Your words, not mine. Your words, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it, it was uh, uh, essentially chocolate, uh, is made from uh, cocoa powder and cocoa butter and, and added sugar. Those are basically the three main things that go into chocolate. So if you replace the sugar, that helps a little bit with calories with, um, you know, you can do that with erythritol or allulose or stevia, those kinds of things. But uh, a more important one uh, is replacing the fat. And so mm-hmm. we are uh, really one of the first, probably the first in chocolate uh, to replace the cocoa butter um, with a new fat combination uh, that includes an ingredient which is called EPG, um, and it's an ingredient that it's had FDA approval for over a decade now, um, but just not many brands or products know about it because low fat isn't that big of a trend, uh, whereas low right. sugar is all is all the rage these days. So uh, we feel really fortunate to um, kind of have have stumbled on it ourselves and and now have developed a chocolate with it. And um, you'll see January first uh, we have. Uh, a lot of new products coming out that we will we will send you the right amount. We won't send you too much, but you tell us how much <laughs> no, you please, want. <laughs> don't ever say that to me again. Send me all the things, all the things. But but we have uh, some new flavors, some new formats. You know, again, if you think of Hershey's and Reese's and M and M's, obviously, you know, it's it's pretty obvious where you can go with chocolate uh, brands. So we're we're trying to kind of tick the boxes there and, and see if we can, um, to your point, kind of create the Halo Top Hershey bar almost. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like we have to call it the halo effect from now on, right? This is like what you're doing in every single product category. I would follow you to the ends of the earth at this point with anything that you made. Um, I did have to look up that that um, ingredient because I was like, ooh, is this going to be like one of those weird ingredients that doesn't make your stomach feel so good? Because, you, you know, back in the days that that was how they replaced fat was with these weird ingredients that were not, they did not settle your stomach very well. Um, so I had to look it up and it's, it's actually, a, like you said, totally FDA approved. And 
and nobody's doing it. So we're going to take a really quick break. But when we come back, I want to, uh, you to tell us how you found this product and why you decided to integrate it. So stay tuned. We are thrilled that you've joined us here on the Elevate Your Brand podcast. But did you know we have a ton more useful content on our blog page? Make sure to go to elevatemybrand.com and check out the tips and tricks that we share with you every week on how to elevate your brand via marketing, advertising, branding, messaging, social media, you name it, we've got your back. Thanks for sticking with us. And if you're just tuning in, I'm chatting with my friend Doug Bouton, who is the CEO or the co-founder rather of Halo Top and Gatsby Chocolate. Right before the break, we were talking about this really unique ingredient that you found that has been FDA approved for, you said, almost a decade. How did you come across it? And why did you decide, how did you decide this was going to be the the turning point for how to create a better chocolate, better for you chocolate? Yeah, sure. Um, we, uh, our, our team, um, our R&D team is, is obviously always kind of trying to keep their, you know, uh, ears open to anything that's new and innovative out there in the ingredient space. So it was just kind of through that organically that we came across it. And then we, like you started doing our research, like we, you know, I've got horror stories of wow, potato chips and Alestra. And what they used <laughs> I wasn't going to call them up, but yes, that's exactly what I was referencing. Yeah, like I, I, I have terrible stories in middle school of, uh, of, of that. And um, so we, we were skeptical at first, but what we found, especially after testing it um, as long as we have and, and learning more about it and with how long it's been approved at the FDA, um, essentially, is that it is, you know, Alestra without any digestive issues or effects. And there's a whole technical reason behind that. But the, the, the main thing that I thought of was, you know, Alestra scared everybody away from low fat. And then yeah. right after that, in kind of the mid 2000s, all the low sugar stuff started taking off. And that's still, you know, very, very much where the trends are today. So I think, I think it was because of all of the negative press of that and kind of the late 90s, early 2000s, that people just kind of forgot about fat, even though fat is the, the greatest kind of caloric contributor of the macros. So um, I think, again, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm like, how has nobody, you know, stumbled on this yet? How has nobody done this yet? And I think uh, more and more people are starting to learn about it and hear about it. So I do think you'll, you'll start to see a lot more products um, across uh, the grocery store come out with, with products uh, with EPG in it. Well, it sounds like you're leading the pack on that. And um, yeah, the Olestra, but the great thing about Olestra is that it, it tasted exactly like the real thing, which is exactly what the chocolate tastes like. It tastes and has the texture that you want it to have instead of feeling like you're giving something up because you're trying to be a little bit healthier. Um, and and again, I reference my husband a lot in these podcasts, but he actually craves this chocolate. He was We had a whole bag of Halloween candy garbage candy, which he typically likes also. Um, and he put it aside and he was like, no, I really want one of the, the, the almond, there's a chocolate almond bar that you guys have. That's just unreal. And he was like, I want, I'm in the mood for that. I don't really want this other, other candy. And, and it was great that you could feel good about eating it. That, that's the most amazing part, obviously. I love that. I think the, what, what'll be interesting in chocolate is it is a little bit different than ice cream in that I'm not sure I don't think consumers like nobody like wants to eat a whole chocolate bar, at least not a huge, at least as I understand it. So I want and do are two very different things, Doug. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I wasn't a consumer of chocolate either. I was like you, a consumer of ice cream. So this to me, I'm still kind of learning the consumer behavior a little bit in this space, which is, you know, it is slightly different than, than ice cream, but um, yeah, we're, we're really excited about the product and where it's at. We, we also have gone through a rebrand just like with Halo Top that'll be launching uh, hopefully January 1, but certainly in January of next year. 
That's such a fun brand. Um, tell us where the, the Gatsby name came from. Is it a reference to the novel or uh, where did that come from? Yeah, so the Gatsby name, we I read an article about the uh, how the book was going in with what's called the public domain, which um, I'm sure you and other uh, lawyers like us will, yep. will know about. So I read that and kind of like a light bulb is like, well, man, that would be a great brand name. Um, you know, for the right product, because you could play into kind of indulgence and premium and the mystique uh, of, you know, who is Gatsby, that kind of thing. Um, so I just thought it'd be a really cool name around which you could build a great brand. And that article, uh, you know, at least sparked it in my head. And I was like, well, let's see if it's available. And and sure enough, um, at least in the chocolate space, it was available. So we jumped at it, uh, trademarked it. And uh, I think just as of a couple of weeks ago, got our, our registered trademark back. So we're, we're fully registered and everything. That's so awesome. I love that you still bring that lawyer hat to the table every now and then. I do too. You know, you've got to, if you have it, you got to use it, right? Once in a while. You know, I passed the bar, so I got to use it once in a while, you know. Same. Here in California or where are you? In California, yeah. I'm, I'm inactive and have been for years, but, you know, I figured if I went through all that trouble and all that money, I may as well use it once I in a know. while. I know. My parents still introduce me as my daughter, the lawyer. I'm like, I've been running a marketing agency for 12 years. <laughs> Come on. Uh, but, but I digress. Um, so, Take us back in time and share with us some of the tips and tricks to starting a CPG brand. Because I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs who are listening in who uh, love this industry. You know, we work on the agency side heavily in food and beverage. That's how you and I originally got connected. Would love to hear like some of the best practices and then maybe like one or two funny stories of what happened early days with developing either of the products. Sure. Uh, we've got, you know, how long do you have on that? But um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, um, I, I think for, I guess, anybody listening who either uh, has or is thinking about, um, you know, doing something uh, specifically in food and beverage, I think for us, uh, we really needed some some core, like extremely strong foundational belief that our product, you know, had mass appeal. Um, because if you if you don't have that, when the times get tough, you're really going to need you have to truly believe uh, that what you're doing really matters and, and that there's a really, really big market for it. Because otherwise, it's kind of like, what's the point? Because it's so hard and it takes so long and it takes so much money and so much time and so much everything else. Um, and, so it has it, to be has, scalable. It sounds like that's tip number one. Yeah, scalable and also just the, you know, if we just made really good ice cream that came from L.A. and it was, quote unquote, cool, I, we never would have quit our law firm. <laughs> like that, That's, you know that's just another ice cream. So you really have to have a hook uh, that, that's going to convince people that they should pay for your product um, right. and, and that it's different than everything else. Um, and then the second one, and, and this one, you know, is, is, is probably like beating a dead horse, but you know, just do it. <laughs> like you have to, you can the find every, yeah. yeah, you can find every excuse not to do something. You know, everybody has responsibilities. Everybody has finances, everybody, you know, it, those are a dime a dozen. Um, but I think if you take the leap uh, and, and you dive into it, while it'll be unbelievably hard, it, it'll also be the most fulfilling thing you ever do. I look back now, and, and this is only in hindsight, those early days when the stakes were the highest, when we were barely taking any money out of the company, when we had to suspend our salaries, when we were both personally bankrupt and had credit card debt and student loan debt and predatory lender debt that we took out. Mm-hmm. Um those were the best days. Like I, I can't emphasize that enough. <laughs> I, like I, I miss, oh I miss the purity of those days. I, I miss the the innocence of those days. Like that, those were the the coolest, best days, and 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 they beat every single every single day after. Uh, it, look, they're still good days. Don't get me wrong, but the those early days are are really 
the coolest days and, and the most fun days and, and where you learn the most. Um, yeah, for sure. Sounds like you okay. love the grit. You love being in the in the weeds on things because that's when you have to be the most flexible. That's when you have to figure it out and get it done. Yes. Yeah. And I think that it's the appeal of that, like the small team, the intimacy of that, the, you know, you know, everybody on a personal level, they know you on a personal level, you're all pulling, well, should be pulling in the same direction. You know, it's all one team. It's not about, you know, who did what or blaming people. It's just about let's, let's figure this thing out together. I think that there's just a, you know, it, it feels like, it feels like a team sport and, and I love team sports for that reason. So. Yeah. It's funny. I think a lot of entrepreneurs played team sports. I certainly did as well. There's something to be said about that, uh, that energy and that competition. I think you just want to win, you know? Yes, absolutely. Yep. Uh, any other great tips or really funny stories? I'll stick with that. Um, let me think of a couple stories here. Um, we, uh, here's one for you in the really early days, we, you know, finding, you know, how do you even make ice cream? Well, really any food or beverage product. We had no idea. And I'm not making this up when I say we Googled, you know, <laughs> how to make ice cream. We Googled uh-huh. Los, Los Angeles ice cream manufacturer. We we, we go through a list. Uh, Justin, my, my uh, founder of Halotab, he put together a list of about 10. Uh, he, he Like it's out of a movie. He goes one by one down the list. No, 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 no. You're an idiot. No, no, no way. Get out of here. This is a dumb idea. The tenth and last one was just this this local like manufacturer in in East LA, and they said, you know what? We haven't ever done this before, but sure, come on in. Let's see what happens. Um, so we we go there in person. He and I we like batch the mix ourselves. It's like a few hundred gallons, maybe a thousand gallons. But like mm-hmm. we're in there like opening the ingredients and dumping them into the tank. And then they and then they uh, they make it, they pasteurize it, and, and put it through the process. And I kid you not, the machine, the pressure gauge starts blowing up, the machines start shaking, <laughs> nuts and bolts start flying, the pipes burst, ice cream mix starts spilling out all over the floor, and we are just like, uh, that's it, we're, we're going to go back and be lawyers. It's done. Um, and the manufacturer was just like, well, that happens sometimes in manufacturing. We'll put it back together. Let's try again tomorrow. And we were like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> you know, we wow. just kind of roll with it. But they, to this day, we actually still still work with that manufacturer. We have a ton of loyalty to them um, for, you know, helping us and sticking with us through the early days. But yeah, that, that was a, you know, just trying to trying to figure that out, you know, literally just Googling like a, a couple of idiots to, to go in there. You got to start and, somewhere. Yeah. And then blowing up their <laughs> machines was, uh, it, that was quite an experience. That is hilarious. Uh, We're going to take another quick break. We'll be right back. If you're listening to this podcast, it's probably very likely that you've worked with a marketing agency that hasn't really worked out. That's why Elevate My Brand has developed our roadmap to marketing process. We use an extremely data-driven approach to show you exactly what your competitors are doing in the omnichannel space so that we can develop a strategy and tactical approach to success in your marketing. Call us today and let's get mapping. All right. Thanks for sticking with us. I am chatting with Doug Botan, uh, uh, the co-founder of Halo Top and Gatsby Chocolate. Before the break, we were talking a bit about um, when you first started making the product and you blew up the machines and you were going to give up. I would be so devastated if you gave up on making this amazing product. Um, it sounds like your manufacturer really was the one that pushed you into keeping keeping it going. Yeah, and what what I've found in food and beverage is if you find the right co-manufacturer or co-packer, uh, it makes all the difference in the world. And it's so hard to do because, you know, a lot of them don't like spending time and money with startups um, who may not make it, and it's a ton of work on their end. But if you find the right one, they can 
not only they, they have so much knowledge about formulation, so they can really mm. help drive your R and D and improve your product. And you know, they, they have tens, if not hundreds, of years of experience, especially in ice cream and chocolate, the two that we're in. And, and I'm sure it's probably the same across a lot of categories. So, again, the right co-man makes all the difference. Totally. Um, and but you have to be uh, careful about protecting your IP as you go into those worlds as well. I would say, right? That's right. And. Um, an NDA is not worth the uh, paper it's written paper it's on. Printed but on. I always say that. That's so funny. <laughs> you can. Um, I think the best way to protect it is to essentially, you know, make sure uh, only people who need to know it see it, and, and you try to really limit the amount of eyeballs on it, and and obviously yeah. then develop a, a business relationship that is, you know, more important than than somebody trying to knock off the IP. But yeah, always a concern when you uh, disclose the formula. Yeah, especially a formula like this. This is liquid gold, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Where did the name Halo Top come from? Like, we didn't talk about that. We talked about Gatsby Chocolate, but not Halo Top. Yeah, so we were, again, formerly we were called Eden, E-D-E-N, like Garden of Eden Creamery. Um, mm -hmm. And again, it was just a name that <laughs> Justin went through, you know, paid somebody a few grand, one of these agencies who, you know, came up, they were pushing like Justinos and <laughs> some other terrible yeah. names. Um, and I think he just, uh, he got fed up and said, look, just Eden's, you know, not offensive. Like, just go with that. It's fine. Um, but when we did our rebrand in, in 2015, we actually changed our Halo Top name early. I forgot about this. Um, Eden, uh, what's the name of, uh, Eden Foods is a really litigious, uh, Oh shoot. You got a, you got a cease and desist. Yeah. From, uh, well, Haynes Celestial actually is the one that sent it and they said our logo looked like their seasonings, but then we knew Eden huh. foods was also litigious. So we just said, you know what, this name doesn't mean anything to us. Let's change right. it. And, um, yeah, for us, Halo top, it, you know, four letters started with halo to replace Eden, but then we, we were going to do this metallic gold lid. So we figured, you know, we thought that could be the halo top. There's a health halo around the product. Oh, we got and most importantly, 855 halo top was available for the corporate number. So that was always a, <laughs> a big consideration. Oh my gosh. So funny. I feel like so many of the, um, the, the, the things you kind of like fell into by accident and that is truly like the entrepreneurial journey, right? You just keep pushing, you keep pushing. And then all of a sudden there's these light bulb moments that happen and you're like, yes, that's the right name. Yes. That's the right look and feel. Those are the right taglines or the color theory or whatever that is. You just kind of know in your gut as an entrepreneur, when things are a right fit, you know? Yes. hundred percent. And I couldn't agree more. This is kind of hindsight, especially about the name Halo Top. We didn't, we, we knew that we could, you know, spin it this way and that way. But again, in hindsight, I think it is a really great name and, and great brand that we built uh, around kind of the, the low calorie and high protein and health benefits of the product. But it wasn't, I don't want people to think it was like, we thought of all that prior and knew this was going to be great. Like it was, <laughs> we, we very much stumbled on it, you know, and, and again, in hindsight, it, it was, it was a great decision. I love how humble you are around that because it really is one of the most prolific brands in this space. And you set the stage for a lot of copycats. I mean, you've got a lot of competition out there. Nobody that I think is doing it as well as you are, but you really were like, you put a stake in the ground and said, this is possible. And now, I mean, even like the big retail brands are trying to copy you. How do you feel about that? What are you guys doing to combat it? Or what's next? I should say. I mean, that's capitalism, right? Um, totally. So, you know, you got to love it. But, um, yeah, I, I think for me, and this was a learning experience, it was really hard, or it's really easy, I should say, to get distracted by that, to focus mm -hmm. on what everybody else is doing, both the big players and the small players, and spend a lot of time and a lot of money, you know, trying to, you know, have comparative marketing, trying to box people out of space. You know, I think you can really get lost in that world, and it's certainly how the big guys do it. That, that's that's how they play, and, and it's not fair, but um, 
for us, I think, and we certainly lost focus of this at some point, we, we've rededicated ourselves to just, just focusing on ourselves um, and yeah. focus on what we do best. How did we get here? How do we constantly improve? I think renovation is one of the biggest issues uh, that people, they always innovate, 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 but then you, your, your original products need to be renovated. You, you have to constantly improve them because everybody else is trying to come at you and, and cut out more of the sugar, cut out more of the fat, make the taste and texture better. Like you have to do that first so that your product truly can stand on its own objectively as the best one on shelf. And I think, I think we definitely lost sight of that um, as all of this competition entered. And we, I won't say we panicked because there wasn't a panic, but yeah, we were, we were definitely distracted. And, and now, you know, lesson learned on that front for me, I think it's, again, it's just focus on your process, on your product, on, on your company and, and, and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. I love that. Um, also please never use the tagline ice cream reinvented, like the reinvention <laughs> tagline that every car company, every food product, like it's just really, can we come up with a better, better version of that? <laughs> um, but I do totally agree that it has to be a constant reinvention. You have to be iterating all the time on your product. Um, and yep. you guys have done a really good job of that because you have, brought out so many new flavor profiles. Do you retire flavors as well, or is it just building up? How many flavors do you have currently? Um, we definitely retire them as well. Um, we have, uh, man, at our peak, we had 38 flavors on shelf, which I can tell you is too many. Because once you get that many, inevitably your quality starts to be compromised and, and mm. you're kind of just rushing stuff to shelf that again, in hindsight, you know, lesson learned, we'll, we'll never do that again. But um, you, you always have your kind of core set of flavors, especially, you know, in ice cream, you've got your cookie doughs, your cookies and cream, um, et cetera, in uh, chocolate, your milk chocolate, your dark almond, those are kind of standard skews. But um, I, I love like pushing, you know, the forefront of, of flavor trends and stuff. And, you know, we were, our birthday cake flavor came out in 20, I want to say it's 2014. It was oh, way before so kind good. of the, the cake batter and the birthday cake trend mm -hmm. really set in across everything in the grocery aisle. Um, so I think I, I love looking at stuff like that. I look now, I think there's going to be a lot more um, international flavor centric trends. I think you're going to see a lot more um, Asian centric, um, probably Indian centric and, and, and probably Latino centric uh, flavors come in. Um, to the stores. And I think I can't wait for that. Like imagine, you know, adding like, I don't know, some chili pepper to your ice cream. Like I feel like there's going to be some spice and some sweet. And I think that'll be really fun to see. You see it a little bit in chocolate already, but I think you'll, you'll really start to see that across uh, the stores, those kind of, um, you know, Asian centric, Indian centric. And, and interesting. So bringing diver more diverse flavors in is what you see as the future trend of ice cream the flavors in general. Yeah, well, I think that plus um, I think ice cream will continue uh, to get more um, regional, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Like mm -hmm. I think the, the briars, the dryers, like those guys, I think will continue to decline. And you'll see some of the regional players like the uh, the graders, the Oberweiss, the uh, McConnell's, uh, the Bluebells. So the Bluebell is kind of the biggest of, of those ones. I think you'll see because people just trust those kind of like family owned company, you know, there's just a consumer trust more, um, towards that. I think well, they're heritage a, brands. It makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So I think you'll see a lot of that. Um, but yeah, in flavor development, it would not surprise me at all. If you see, I don't know, Boba becoming an inclusion in ice cream, or maybe you'll see, like I said, you know, some sort of like 
chili powder or, or jalapeno. I think you might see or like masalas some... and things. Ugh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm <laughs> passing on those. Um, in, in the last minute or so we have left, I always like to ask some more personal questions about you as a human. So this is just kind of quick fire answer at will. Um, so what is the one thing you could not live without during COVID and you can't say your own product? Uh, my kids, my kids and my wife. That's an easy one. <laughs> Love that. Uh, what is your cocktail of choice or uh, beverage of choice in the evenings? God, I drink everything. Probably these days, whiskey, scotch, or bourbon. It depends on the week. Neat or rocks? Always neat. Always neat. Always neat. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite word and why? And this could be something that has had meaning to you over time or something that just pops into your head today. Oh, God. Oh, man. You're putting me on the spot. Uh, how about That's entrepreneurship? <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean to you? Um, I just... I have an absolutely undying love for it, uh, and, and for those early days, right? For the grit, for the grind, for the hustle, for for those those. I think there's a purity and an innocence to it that I'm still chasing, and 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 hope I can continue to chase and, and find uh, at some point. And if you haven't done it before, appreciate it because you're going to have it. And, and man, do I miss it! Oh, I love that. And I love your story, Doug. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And for those of you listening in, keep an eye out for um, Halo Chop, of course, on your grocery shelves and Gatsby Chocolate. They are coming live. You said the, you're rebranding January, you're relaunching? Yeah, I think January 1, uh, the, the website will go live and, and it should be coming to a store near you uh, next and year. It somewhere. is chocolate fire. It's so good. I mean, it really, really, truly is. Uh, not surprising because you have built such an incredible brand. Doug, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks to everyone who tuned in. Stay tuned for more from Elevate Your Brand coming up next.